So we were, my wife and I were supposed to head to Vegas that day uh, for a wedding. And I said to uh, my wife, I said, well, you know, we're going to have to postpone. I just, I have to go in and read for this show Monk at about, you know, noon, and then we can head out. She goes, oh, what is it? I go, oh, that's this great character. His name's Fat Tony Lucarelli. He's part of the West Coast Mafia. And she basically looked at me like, we're delaying for you to read for a character named Fat Tony Lucarelli. I'm tired of sucking up. I'm tired of sucking up and working for the man. Keeping people down because the law book says I can. Cut my brothers and sisters, oh, it's not the way to be. But honey, those days are gone because, baby, I am free. Hi there, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Randy Disher Podcast. I'm Jason. This is Lara. Lara, how are you doing today? Good. How are you, Jason? What's new? Uh, uh, I'm doing great. I'm doing even greater because on today's show, I've got one of my old pals who decided to uh, pop yes. by and uh, uh, have a visit with me. So uh, I'm pretty jazzed about that. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, so uh, without further ado, I'm going to uh, I'm going to get right to it. I'm going to give you a little highlight reel of this gentleman's uh, of uh, this gentleman's work uh, because his resume is uh, a mile long. Uh, Night at the Roxbury. Scary Movie, White Chicks, the Academy Award-winning film Unforgiven, Charmed, The Good Doctor. Oh, and uh, this uh, this little show, uh, it's called uh, Riverdale, I think. Do you know that show? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah uh, well, without further one. ado, yeah, without further ado, let me bring on uh, my, uh, my my today's guest. And, and, and the great thing is, is amongst all those shows that he has done, he also did another show. And that show was called Monk. That's right. So please help me welcome from Mr. Monk Meets the Godfather, my pal, Lachlan Monroe, a.k.a. Fat Tony Lucarelli. Lockie, <laughs> welcome to the show, buddy. How are you? Hey, great to see you, bud. Yeah, it's great to he- great to be here, man. I think uh, I think your show is going to be a huge success. So, uh, well, thank congrats you. to you. Thank you very much. I really appreciate that, and thanks so much right off the top for coming to join us. I know you're real busy. I know you're working right now, taking some time off to join us. Um, well, I, we're, just, we're just letting everyone in on you and I catching up. Right yeah, now. All right, that's a, that's yeah. exactly. Wait, wait, wait till wait till we get going. Right, we're gonna have to exactly. trim. We're gonna have to trim the show down. I think. Uh, uh, so, listen, as I said, a resume a yeah. mile long, pal. Um, so I. hope I hit a couple of highlights right there. Um, mm-hmm. You really have run the gamut, comedy, drama. Um, it, like, and you were kind of uh, like, I mean, those, those, those first couple of shows, so, you know, Night at the Roxbury, Scary Movie, Dead Man on Campus. I mean, that was, that was like a real run in that kind of pop culture era of the kind mm-hmm. of like 2000s, early 2000 yeah. there. Um, yeah. Uh, how, how was that? kind of, uh, you know, kind of having that run of all those kind of comedy films in that kind of era where those type of films were just so, so popular. I mean, you must get a lot of recognition still, even though they were, you know, a few years ago now from those films. Sure. Yeah. The, um, you know, it's funny, Jay, because uh, as, as you know, getting our training in the early days in, in the Vancouver film industry, was mostly drama up here. And so I hadn't really had a chance to do much comedy out of Vancouver. Um, My first show that I booked in LA, my very first show I ever did was 1993. And it was an episode of Blossom, my brother. Right on, man. And it was was directed by Bill Bixby, if you can believe that. Wow. 
So, so what happened with, uh, was I went in to meet to play uh, the lead in Dead Man on Campus. So that was sort of my first, my first real opportunity in LA to be part of a, you know, sort of a bigger film. And I read for Mark Paul Gossler's role. And so when they decided to cast Mark Paul, this other character of Cliff O'Malley opened up. And I thought, wow, like I, when I read the script, I was like, well, whoever gets this Cliff role, man, it's, it's fun, right? So, man, I tell you, I went in and just, I, I went about as ballistic in an audition as you can ever go, bro. Like, <laughs> it, you know, uh, Deb Aquila's office, right? I go in, I, uh, I have a I have a can of beer that I wrap hockey tape around and I pull a, I put a skull and crossbones on the beer and I put a, a skull and crossbones on these I went out and and bought this bottle of uh, of uh, vitamin E vitamin E pills right and because you know this this character is supposed to be drinks lots takes second all he's just like a crazy partier so I thought okay you know what I'm just gonna go for it in the room because it's such a fun role so I'm in there and I'm like rapping I'm dancing. I cracked this beer. I, first of all, I, I grabbed the, the bottle of uh, my second all, right? Which is vitamin E pills about this big. <laughs> I put them in my mouth and then I start chugging the beer. <laughs> and I didn't do a test run on this. <laughs> the pills <laughs> reacted to the carbonation of the beer and started foaming oh out my of God. my mouth, bro. And I'm rapping this song like the character and I got foam coming out of my mouth. I'm humping Devaquilla's <laughs> couch, I'm humping her lamps everything bro i just went for it and uh the director and said okay all uh, right thank thanks so much and i walked out of the room and uh apparently he was afraid to cast me because he thought holy shit like what if i get this guy on set this, <laughs> this guy is a loose so, cannon right so so here's this is the main like i just can't believe this happened but anyhow mike white who wrote the movie so mike white of you know uh you know, School of Rock fame. Yeah, and, yeah. That was one of his first movies. So I was standing in, you, uh, you remember uh, the, um, uh, uh, gosh, the, the, the famous um, burrito place along Sunset, right by Sunset uh, Plaza. Okay. Uh, it's not there anymore. Okay. You know, you, but I'm standing in there getting a burrito and this little redheaded guy taps me on the shoulder. He goes, are you Lachlan Monroe? And I go, yeah. He goes, I just saw your audition tape for Dead Man on Campus. He goes, my name's Mike White. I wrote it. He goes, dude, your audition tape is making the round. Nah, yeah. that's great. That's back at back in the day, man. That that stuff kind of happened. That was like one of those things that kind of happened. Like it would get passed around, and I'm sure it was on VHS at the time, uh, right? You know, so like or Betamax, perhaps. Uh, but yeah, it was getting passed around, uh, you know, and everybody saw it, and the hype kind of came. The hype kind of came from that, and then it just kind of spirals, and it kind of goes, and then one job leads into the next job, and right. And so what happened was. Um, what happened was that movie, you know, um, they liked my character so much. I was supposed to die in the movie. And then uh, the head of Paramount, um, it was uh, the lady above John Goldwyn at the time. I'm sorry, I'm, I have a brain fart, but a uh, really wonderful lady. She go, she said, no, that character needs to stay in the whole movie. So they, we wrote mo more scenes for that character. So he, you know, he didn't die. Uh, and then what happened was I was at home and I get this phone call and a, a woman named Amy Heckerling is on the other line. Yeah. And my wife goes, uh, some woman named Amy Heckerling for you. And I was like, yeah, come on. Right. So she, I get on the phone. She goes, hi, Lachlan. Uh, my name's Amy Heckerling. And I'm doing a movie with the guys from from uh, SNL. And I, I've been overseeing Dead Man on Campus. And and this is what she said, bro. This was so like it floored me. She goes, you are to Dead Man on Campus what Sean Penn was to, uh, to Fast Time. <laughs> 
Wow. Great. What a great, great compliment. Right. So anyhow, that's how I ended up in those Paramount movies like Night the Roxbury because they, 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 you know, I'd done Dead Men on Campus and, you know, I just, I was lucky to have a showy role. They let me go off. I just basically amalgamated every character that I, that I traveled across the country on the back of a junior hockey. Yeah. <laughs> great, buddy. That's a, that's a great, great, great story. Now let me pivot 180 degrees. Yeah. yeah sorry. So, I, so I, a handful. I, I ramble on. A no, bit. no, no, not at all. That's, this is fantastic. 180 degrees. Now. Yeah. How, how, how do you even recall the audition for fat Tony Lucarelli on, on Monk or going, or going into that, or going into that room. Like I know we literally, we literally did that episode 170 years ago, but uh, like what? I remember remember the day, bro. Yeah. yeah. So tell me, tell me, tell me a little bit about that. So, so we were, my wife and I were supposed to head to Vegas that day uh, for a wedding. And I said to uh, my wife, I said, well, you know, we're going to have to postpone. I just, I have to go in and read for the show Monk at about, you know, noon and then we can head out. She goes, oh, what is it? I go, oh, that's this great character. His name's Fat Tony Lucarelli. He's part of the West Coast Mafia. And she basically looked at me like, we're delaying for you to read for a character named Fat Tony Lucarelli. And I went, yeah, yeah, probably, probably odds aren't good for me. I said, but, you know, I like the show and I think it's cool to go in and meet new filmmakers and whatnot. So I go in and I read for it thinking I'm about as far as, fat Tony Lucarelli as you can. Yeah, get. you know, that's right. And, and, and honestly, Lockie, it's uh, like for the for, for the fans out there who don't know Lachlan Monroe, Lachlan is very unfat. Uh, <laughs> he's, he's the opposite of a fat Tony yeah. Lucarelli. And I'm very un-Lucarelli. Yeah, you yeah, know what I mean? that's right. I'm very, un- yeah. I'm very un-Lucarelli. I'm about as, I'm about as uh, Scottish Irish yeah, as you yeah. can. There know. you go. See the the, the genius casting of Monk. There we go. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Right? Listen, so- listen, man. You're in a, you are in, you are are amongst a long line of pretty badass guest stars yeah. that have graced the, uh, graced our set. Uh, you know, over yeah, the, over over the years. You know. Yeah. yeah, I mean, just to do the episode with Philip Baker, Philip Baker Hall was like amazing, bro. Yeah. So you know, halfway to Vegas, I get a call from my agent. Hey, you booked it. We were we were floored. My <laughs> wife and I were just That's absolutely great. flabbergasted. So yeah, and I really enjoyed it. I mean, you know, you guys uh, you guys had a top notch crew. Jay, uh, the director for me was Matt. It was Michael uh, Zinberg. The director, oh, oh, the oh, Zinberg di- director. director of that okay. episode was Zinberg, who at the time was kind of one of our staple guys. So he, right. he yeah, so he kind of, you know, he had done a few before and he was kind of on our okay. roster and, and the cast, uh, I will say, uh, I love, I love Zinberg to this day. I've worked with him, you know, since Monk, yeah. um, but he, you know, he's, he's, he's kind of, he was kind of your old pro. You know, did like oh. the Newhart Bob Newhart show, oh, wow. like you know, like oh, yeah. you, you know, knew knew his knew his stuff and knew that type of you know genre of comedy and where to fit in. So yeah, yeah I mean that episode once again, I you know that that episode got uh you know got that kind of a treatment um, and uh, something we were talking about off camera that I'll bring up here on 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 camera on air uh, is that. You did an episode of Monk, Mr. Monk Meets the Godfather, around the time where Monk itself was really finding its stride and was kind of, you know, becoming, a, you know, a, an award circuit kind of, uh, you know, staple. Uh, Tony, I believe, had already won a Golden Globe for sure, but he might have already had an Emmy as well. You know, uh, right. like it, it was, uh, it, you kind of hit a sweet spot 
in in monk mm-hmm. that really launched it off until uh, into the next level and your episode mr monk meets the godfather is always kind of like when you when they talk about some of the key episodes of monk over the eight seasons that we did it that one always comes up for some reason and i mean well not for some reason i mean obviously it comes up because it really encompasses a lot of what monk is about and it's a really kind of uh although the trope is familiar the 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 mafia and you know that kind of thing just in monk's world it just took it to another level yeah. right yeah yeah do you uh do you do you remember at all um at the the scenes that you did with uh biddy shram because i actually just rewatched the episode last night and i don't really watch a lot of the monk episodes anymore but i did re- I, I actually I actually, the scene that Biddy and I did in the restaurant, I had that on my reel for oh, quite wow. a few years. Really? Yeah, Well, because I was going to say, the chemistry between you guys mm-hmm. in about the four or five scenes you had in that episode was like, just like, was great. And it's something like you don't really realize, but watching it this so many years later, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm like, and you can really analyze like the actors and you say, wow, that's cool. That was a great moment or like that, oh, man, I, like I watched it, like I watched it and I was like, wow, I sucked in a couple of scenes. It's like, what was I doing mugging? What's that face going on there? Right. But, but that, but, it, but yeah, I was like, one of the things I was really, was really uh, nicely surprised at was that that chem of that chemistry between, between you and Biddy, yeah. even though you just did the one, it just rolled in for the one app. And it was really the first episode that, uh, you know, Biddy kind of had a love interest. Yes. Right. You know? Yeah. 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 It was, uh, yeah, she was fantastic. I mean, you know, all of, all of you guys in the show were great. And uh, again, a top notch crew, uh, great director. I mean, just, just, uh, and right from Tony down created a good atmosphere. You know, the one thing about doing guest stars is that it takes three days to sort of feel really comfortable until, um, you know, for you to just kind of loosen up and, and create the character. And, you know, I, I always find, you know, your number one or two on the call sheet, you know, if they come in and, and make you feel comfortable, it, uh, it really helps. It really helps guest stars to, to relax and to not, you know, to kind of just feel like part of the family right away. You know? Yeah. It's a hard, and, uh, it's a hard gig. I mean, it's a hard gig being a guest star on something and showing up for a couple of days here, a couple of days there and uh, trying to fit in to whatever the existing kind of family yeah. is or the, or, or, yeah. you know, yeah. and to, you know, to find the tone of the show immediately sure. because, you know, as, as you say, you usually just, you know, get a phone call thrust into the room, yeah. say the lines, Hope to get it, get it, and then you're. Well, there's off. your wife. Yeah, jump into bed. Yeah, 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 exactly. And then, and then, you, and then you're. You know off. who's? Uh, and I, and maybe you've done the show before, but uh, have you ever worked with Mark Harmon? I have, I have, I've, I have worked with Harmon. Yeah, I, I, I worked right? with, yeah, I worked with him exclusively with he and Jamie Lee Curtis on uh, NCIS. Yeah. yeah, yeah, right. I mean, that guy, you know, why he was a quarterback for UCLA oh, yeah. Bruins, yeah. right? Because he just he comes into the trailer, comes right down, knows every, knows your resume, knows everything. Yeah, he's a pro. You to the show. Yeah, right. Total yeah, pro. Yeah, right? absolute, absolute, absolute pro. And you know, you you mentioned uh, the crew. Um, that was one thing that we also tried to do for the eight seasons, even though it was it was hard to do because people would go off on other jobs when we were on hiatus and whatnot. But we always tried to bring back as many of the same crew team as possible like throughout all the seasons and you know we would you know we would really go out of our way you know to do or the producers would or you know to really go out of their way to uh you know to get the same to get the team back together and it did i really i really really feel 
uh, you know, when the, when, the crew, like when the crew feels like family as well, right? I mean, as you know, it's the weirdest thing. Everyone talks about how tough they think our job is. Really, man, I go to work and I go, I got 400 people around me trying to make me the best I can be, right? So you show those people respect and they'll they'll jump off a cliff for you. Right? Oh yeah, yeah, no, it's one of, one of the things I've all, one of the things I've always said, you know, like every now and again we all struggle on set with our lines or with like what are we doing in the scene what are we doing? like I've always said, you know, hey, in this big family, whoever has the best idea, you just let me know. It can be a it can be my grip, it can be the craft service, it doesn't matter. If you've got a great idea for me to make me look better, lay it on me, brother. I'm I, I will oh, yeah. I will take it and fly with it and happily pay you compliments by by uh by making our daytime, making the time, you know what I mean? in the day hey man and, we're we're canadian yeah right? we're uh, yeah, ab ab yeah ab man. absolutely and i'm gonna, and i'm gonna jump to us being canadian in a second but i just wanted to let you know because i'm sure you probably don't know this because i didn't know this until someone wrote in uh one of the fans wrote in a fan of yours a fan of monk kind of uh and said do you know that fat tony lucarelli lives on in the monk novels so so oh. you did the episode and then after like all, when they started writing the novels which there are you know there are a lot uh, of them yeah numerous yeah. out are, Lara there's quite a few out yes. there aren't there I don't know how many but there's um, quite you know a few. and I'm and, and yeah and I'm not familiar with them all but uh I I just found out that uh Fat Tony Lucarelli like in one novel uh, and let me let me make sure that I get this right uh, without question, because it, it, I think it's like absolutely terrific. It's uh, he he winds up turning state's evidence in like in 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 this in in one of these novels, and, it, and I think it's called uh, Mr. Monk is Open for Business is the name of the novel. But uh, Salvatore Lucarelli, Philip Baker Hall, and yourself like live on in these novels, wow. which so cool. I, which I think is absolutely like which is, which yeah. is great, which obviously speaks to the fact that that show. And that you guys had an impact yeah. clearly on the monk, uh, on the on the kind of the palette of monk, uh, you know, over the years, uh, yeah. which I think is uh, really really cool. Um, now back to uh, Mac, back to being a good couple of Canadian boys. Um, <laughs> so you, Lockie, were really one of the first actors to kind of start the revolution, so to speak, in Vancouver um for everybody out like there for, for, our, for our for our generation yeah yes, yeah for I, for our generation yeah. but also you you started at the time when the film business and the television business in vancouver and in canada vancouver and toronto mainly was really right. starting to come into form you know uh sure. prior to that yeah they did some shows they did a few movies here and there but yeah. at about the time you started i mean they, the shows were seriously looking to shoot in vancouver and uh, uh you know movies of the week and and films right. you know like yeah. for example unforgiven although it was shot in calgary you know right. what made a conscious effort to come up here uh and invest in uh canadian actors uh and right. and, the, and the like but you were really at the forefront of that um what's 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 what was it kind of like then versus to how it is now because now it's i mean it's sure. i think vancouver and toronto are two of like the most coveted places to shoot film yeah. and television in the world now yeah 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 it's it's amazing uh just the infrastructure in general up here i mean you know i started out uh, my very first ever professional job was the first year of 21 jump street sure there you go right yeah show. 
And mm -hmm. so, you know, that's back in the day when dailies, dailies would have to be FedExed back to LA just to be uh, processed and then sent back to Vancouver via FedEx to watch. Yeah. That's uh, yeah. crazy. Yeah, no, and right? it, like, it, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah, it, it really- so, so it's funny, you know, my very first job on set uh, was, uh, I actually, here's a weird thing. I booked my very first ever audition. Did you that really? Crazy? That, 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 that is very good. I did not have the same experience. Um, <laughs> my but, but here's the thing, you know, getting back to what you were saying now and then, you know, back then, um, back then it was, uh, you know, we, we weren't given the opportunity that, you know, the younger generation and, or even for me when I'm in Vancouver that I get, uh, because back then they were flying people in from New York, LA to do five lines, you know, now, now, you know, now people get to read for leads and shows up here. I think they see that there's, there's a really good talent pool. It's small, but it's good, you know? Yeah, I um, think so. And I mean, you've worked, and you've worked all over the world, Los Angeles, like, I mean, like, yeah. every, like basically everywhere, yet you call Vancouver home, um, yeah. you know, a, a, you know, as, as, as do, as do I, I mean, I always call it home regardless of where I am. Uh, around yeah. around the world but um yeah it's interesting to see how the the just the vancouver or the canadian film industry has just really skyrocketed you know kind of since you know we started we both really basically cut our teeth in vancouver then from vancouver that was a jumping off point for us to for way the, the sky was the limit wherever else you wanted to go obviously you spent many years in los angeles doing those paramount movies that you were speaking of uh you know earlier on uh, and then, so, you know, and that was all, and that was all Stephen J. Cannell, right? Yeah. That was all him, man, that brought it up. And, you know, he was the one that brought Chump Street here. Wise guy. Once those shows became hits, people were like, oh, what, what's going on in Vancouver? And, you know, of course, everything is about the mighty dollar. So they found they could shoot cheaper up here and, and they decided uh, that that was sort of what started to build the film community. It's really, we owe it all to Stephen and, Man, over the years, I did so many of his shows, uh, you know, Jump Street, Wise Guy. I was a regular on a show called Hawkeye. I was a regular on a show called Two. And it was so funny because I was reading for something uh, really, really interesting in L.A. in the mid-90s, mid, mid to late-90s. And Stephen was in the room. And it was so funny to walk into the room and actually meet him. Because I said, you know, sir, I haven't met you face-to-face, -face, but you have signed a shitload of my checks. Yeah. <laughs> isn't, isn't, isn't that true? Because my, my second job ever was the commish, uh, okay. which was, was, was yeah. kind of, and funny story. Let's spin it back to Monk again. His daughter directed a couple episodes of Monk. Tanya. Yeah. Tanya McKeon. Yeah. That's right. Sure. So she, she, yeah, she, she directed, she directed an episode of the show called Vegas that I did the one that Josh Demel did. Yeah. And, 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 well, and, I'll, yeah. and I'll, and I'll top you one more time. We used Josh Demel's set for the Mr. Monk goes to Vegas episode. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We no, used, are you we used, oh, we used God. the Vegas I, set. I, yeah. I shot in yeah. that set. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And we, oh, and we wow. used that set for that. But, but Tanya, actually, I think Tanya, I, I'm not a hundred percent sure. But I very possibly it was Tanya's one of her very first directing gigs when she when she came to work with us uh, yeah, on probably, on on, yeah. on Monk. Yeah. Yeah. When I met her, she goes, Lachlan, I, I don't know if you know this, but we've actually met years and years ago. And she goes, when I was young, younger, I can't, used to come on the set of my dad's shows. 
And I'm like, uh, she goes, yeah, I'm, I'm Stephen Cannell's daughter. And I was like, are you kidding me? She goes, yeah, I used to come up with the Jump Street set all the time. Oh, yeah, that's, uh, that, that's crazy. Small world. Five years, yeah, so throughout the five years of, uh, you know, for me being in Vancouver, you know, like, I, I did one episode a year, right? You know, that back in the day, they would just use people over and over. I mean, do you remember the show Neon Rider that shot yeah, Vancouver? Yeah, absolutely. Dude, I guest starred on the very first episode and the very last episode of that season. Yeah, Two good, different characters. Good for you. And, and it's, it's so funny. It's so great to reminisce about all this stuff because actually <laughs> Neon Rider was my first job. And I had I gone in and auditioned uh, for uh, a part of like kind of like a like a white supremacist, you know, bad teen. Um, and Bruce Pittman was the director of that episode. And I didn't get it, okay? And back in the day, you'd, you you would get a lot of feedback from your agents, right? And, and, and I had an agent named Robert Carrier back in the day. Uh, and, you know, he, he, he let me know that I didn't get it, but, that, you know, but I did a good job because I was just starting in the business. And about, you know, maybe two or three weeks later at the time they you know pumped out those episodes pretty quickly that director called and offered me a part on neon rider so my very first job was an offer and oh, and, and then i and then i said to myself huh well this is easy i'll just get offers forever they'll just call me and i'll show up and do jobs and then obviously you uh get a very very rude awakening as you go along <laughs> as you go along uh, uh, uh the lines um uh, I also want to touch on too before I forget that uh, you and I mm -hmm. are both uh, Clint Eastwood uh, alumni. Uh, mm -hmm. You're yourself in Unforgiven. I did Flags of Our Fathers with Clint. Talk to me a little bit about how that experience was working with him, because for me, uh, he is he is on the top of my list for 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 direct for directors and i want to hear what you have to say first and then i'll then i'm I'll, let me i'll, I'll respond because i've got a i've got a cute little story about when i first uh, well, when i first you know, met him it, it's interesting and i'm sure you will attest to this because uh clint doesn't read actors live he only reads actors on tape and from what i heard the reason is is because he remembered how hard it was to be rejected as an actor when he was younger oh, wow. and so he doesn't like to meet actors because he doesn't want to say no to them so that's why he does it on tape so it's really interesting for me. I thought, okay, at this point in time, this was 1991 I read for that movie. I'm thinking to myself, I don't look like a guy that could be in a Clint Eastwood Western. So I had a bunch of my friends help me out. I dressed up in a cowboy outfit. I dirtied up my face. I put soot in my teeth. I, have the, I had them hose down their yard and drag me around by my boots in the dirt. And then I put it on tape and I got the part. And uh, so... So when I'm on set, so I was I was shooting a TV series in Canada called Northwood, if you remember. Yeah, that. I, I do remember it. Yeah. yeah. CBC show. So I was going back and forth shooting Unforgiven, but I had a little window where I actually stayed out there for a month. And I remember just being on set and I never left. I never left, man, to just watch Eastwood work and uh, for Morgan Freeman, Gene Hackman, just just amazing, right, to just sit and watch these guys. And I'll tell you, I, I know that the, the, to me, the, the, the poignant scene in the movie is when Eastwood comes in after Hackman has, has killed uh, Morgan Freeman's character. And Eastwood comes in and goes into the bar and he goes, who's the fellow that owns this shithole? You fat man, speak up. Remember that when he, when he shot East Hackman at all? Dude, I was behind a pole. Eastwood went, he was just dressed in t-shirt and jeans up until then. He hadn't, 
He'd only been directing. He hadn't been in character yet. He went away, came back in character, and he had his hat like this. And then he looked up and he said, you fat man, speak up. And honestly, I was behind the camera and I just, all the hair in my body just went, oh my God, that's Clint Eastwood. Right? Because, you know, when you first meet Eastwood, you think you're going to be, be meeting Dirty Harry, right? I don't know what you thought. And then you meet this man and he's six foot four and he's so gentle and he's so calm and quiet. You just go, holy man, it's just like he just commands respect, right? And he was just, and, you know, of course, you know, as, I'm, I'm sure he did it with you as there was no action and stuff. It was just go. <laughs> Everybody who works with Eastwood seems to have a very similar experience, um, I have a funny story. Uh, we did Flags of Our Fathers together. It was a great ensemble cast, and we shot it uh, a lot of it in Iceland. So you know, it, so when you're on location, a lot of the time you you find yourself bonding uh, maybe a little quicker than if you're in your hometown, uh, you know, because you can't go home, you know, to your family. You kind of got to go hang with the guys, so you you make friends pretty quick. And uh, I remember my first day on set. Uh, I, like you, was, uh, you know, cast off tape and then just kind of, you know, showed up in Iceland and, you know, my, and then I didn't work for, you know, a couple of weeks into it. So a lot of the guys were warmed up. Uh, we had another Canadian brother on there, Barry Pepper, uh, you know, who would, who would check in with me, you know, be like, okay, this is what we're doing today. And, you know, everybody knows their lines, man. Cause you know, make sure you know your lines. Right. Yeah. Uh, right. Uh, and I remember that like, I was trying to play it like really cool uh you know because but yet i was very excited to be a part of that movie and to and to work with clint because he had just he just had his director's hat on in that one he wasn't acting right. in it and i remember my first scene all that happens in the first scene that i that i show up in is robert patrick uh hands me the 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 flag okay the american flag that i take up iwo jima and then pass off that the boys hang with the, in the, the famous right, right and and I like my 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 line is literally yes sir, okay, so I go and I do it and I do it and then Clint cut you know but he doesn't say cut he just all right all right all right stop stop he walks over to me and he says to, you know do it a little small a little smaller right. And, and, uh, and I, I thought, I thought to myself, I thought, ah, what am I, God, I thought I, na- I thought I nailed that. And I look, cause they went to video village and I watched the scene. I had the biggest smile on my face saying the line, like, like I couldn't hide it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it literally, like, it literally came out like, yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> but he, really happy to but, but, world. but he, but my point, my point being, he knew because that he's Eastwood that like he knew, you know, innately that that's like, that's what it was. So it was just a minute to just let calm me down and just like, and then just go, go ahead. You're here for a reason, kid. You know what you're doing. Go ahead, do it. And it was, and and it was, it was great. And, and, uh, you know, I've consequently since, since then run into him a couple of times on like on the Warner brothers lot at at Malpaso at his offices and stuff. And, uh, he's, you know, He's one of those, he's one of those guys, you know, they don't make, I, I say they don't make them like that anymore, you know? And know. yeah, so, uh, so that's great. I love, I love that we're, I love that we're in that uh, same club. We're also in the, uh, we're also uh, very lucky to be in the, uh, both been in an Academy Award winning movie club too. Uh, Unforgiven and Beautiful Mind for Myself. 
which right. is which overall in the world is a pretty uh, a pretty small club. So uh, that's that, that's that's pretty cool. Two two Canadian yeah. two Canadian boys, lack lahash lad, huh? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Speaking of that, so we did get a just a ton of questions for you. So I'm going to jump into just a couple of those right now. And the first one that comes to mind is, is, you know, did you always want to be an actor? Did you have any other aspirations? And I think I know the answer Uh, to this one, but why don't you, why don't you let everybody else know? Yeah, you know the answer. Um, No, my, uh, my first love was to play pro hockey. You know, I, I spent, I lived in the Northern part of Canada. I lived on a lake. That's all I did. I skated and, you know, so it was something that, I had aspirations to do. I really loved um, loved the team aspect of the game. Um, so that was where I was thinking I was heading. So I broke my femur really bad. While I was in high school, I used to play music. I was a drummer, singer in my high school rock bands and stuff. So when I broke my femur, I thought, you know, I'm kind of laid up. So why don't I teach myself to play guitar and or take guitar lessons and just do that, like learn something like that. Then I fell in love with it. And when I realized hockey wasn't going to go any further, I really started to get involved in playing music. And that's that was around 1986 or so. And I started to play music up around uh, Whistler, uh, the Ski Mountain Whistler, and in Vancouver and all these places, um, uh, pubs and stuff. And as a, as a, like, you know, playing, playing music in the pubs, I was just doing covers and stuff. And then that's when I started to meet people that were a little more into the arts and entertainment aspect of Vancouver. And that's when I sort of transitioned into being an actor. I, I kind of just fell into it like that. So, yeah. Yeah. That's kind of the and, and now, and now on the, on the heels of that question, are there any gigs that you uh, as, as an actor that you kind of, you know, regret you know, not getting, you know, and, and, and have said, have said, ah, oh, man, I wish I would have got that one. That one, I, I, I really would have, I really would have loved that one. And I hope, yeah. I, and I hope, I think, I hope, I think I know what you're going to say. Well, of course I, you know, I mean, I just didn't fit in the mystery. Of Alaska. I just, there was, I went in and, you know, it was interesting because I'd done hockey events for Howard Baldwin. And when I walked into the room to read for Jay, Howard said, oh, Lachlan's a player, man. You know, I mean, I don't mean it like that. I just mean that compared to a lot of the other actors. Uh, oh, we, oh, um, we, we, oh, we know, we know what you mean. And for everybody out there, let me get, let me preface this a little bit before we go on. There was a movie that I was very fortunate enough to be in called Mystery Alaska. And it basically is every Canadian kid's dream to be in a movie such as this or anybody who loves the game of hockey. Uh, to be in a movie such as this. Um, Lachlan Monroe is clearly a fine hockey player. You've just you've just witnessed this and you just heard this. Um, and Jason Gray Stanford never played hockey in his life. Now, he's a good sports person, but he chose, the, you know, maybe maybe the finer sports like tennis, uh, you know, uh, you know, or something like archery. that or archery or, or fencing. But uh, he yes. certainly did not choose hockey. And somehow the acting gods put Jason in this movie and not Lachlan Monroe wow. and uh, all the other guys who were in, in the movie. Uh, you know, we still all have a laugh, uh, you know, and a couple of our mutual friends, uh, you know, we still have a laugh uh, that that some guys got in this movie that, uh, you know, didn't didn't uh, really 
play hockey, let's say, or skate too well, and some guys well, did I not. Think, some guys I, did not who yeah. really do play. Uh, uh, so uh, let me let me ask you this, and this is more for me. Yeah. What who did you audition? What who did you audition for? Uh, I oh, I auditioned for the young guy that goes back, the young hotshot kid who gets picked up by the Rangers. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, okay, right. A, a ro- so you know, I, so I think at that point, uh, yeah, I, I maybe I looked younger, but I. I was I was a lot older than that at the time. And also too, I think maybe what I should have done is because because they knew I played, you know, some high level hockey, Howard said, no, nah, Lachlan doesn't need to come out like in LA, you know, really, I think right. I should have gone out. Right. Because, if I had gone out, yeah. then Jay Roach would have gone, yeah. uh, how can we, I know. How can you, know, you how sorry. can, how can we not cast this guy? Right. Yeah. Because, you know, I mean, I could have been on set. I could have doubled everyone. I could, you know what I mean? Like, I could have, <laughs> yeah, no, I could hey, listen, listen. And, and, and one of the, one of the interesting things about that movie was, uh, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure how they do it these days now, but you know, there, we, we have to do like a hockey camp prior sure. as part of your audition process, Yeah, you know, yeah. the kind of, you know, to kind of, uh, you know, you know, kind of see if you had the chops to do both act and, you know, and and play hockey. They clearly they clearly didn't stick with that because they put people yeah. like me in the movie who had to <laughs> who had to learn how to play hockey in the, you know, six weeks prior to filming the movie. Right, but then again, right. that was also back in the day, Locky, where you filmed the movie over six months. You know what I mean? Okay. And, you, and you had you had four months of prep, you know, before you yeah. even filmed the movie. Right. You know, to yeah. go and play hockey all the time. But uh, that's always funny. So I'm glad you talked. I'm glad you talked about that. Uh, yeah, Mr. Yeah. And by the way, everybody, Mr. Alaska, it's turned into kind of a little bit of a culty hockey film now. But go out, have a watch of it, because it's a, it's actually a very, very sweet. It's a very, very, very sweet movie. And uh, you will see a bunch of genuine smiles on a bunch of uh, genuine kids playing uh, hockey yeah. out on the pond. Uh yeah, and it's uh, it's great, but I'm but I'm glad because that one always makes me laugh. That uh, you yeah, know, a, an accomplished actor such as yourself, especially <laughs> at that time, uh, was was denied the opportunity to be in uh, Mystery Alaska. Yeah. Hey, I can't play a hockey player, but I can play a character named Fat Tony. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A- hey, a- absolutely. If we are, and if we ever do a if we ever do a monk reunion, I'm sure that's one of the uh, one of the characters, one of the best characters that will uh, come back and uh, revisit us. Certainly, one of the best character uh, names uh, without yeah. without yeah. question. Um, all right, yeah. I'm gonna t- I'm gonna change gears now on you again, yeah. and I want to talk. Uh, obviously, we we can't let it go by without talking about this phenomenon that's yeah. called Riverdale, dude. Right. Uh, uh, I mean, it's worldwide. Yeah. It's a juggernaut. Um, can you speak to me about Hal Cooper? And also, did you know that this show was going to be such a worldwide hit that that like do do you know that when you jump on a set does do you mm-hmm. get a feeling did, did, like you know so yeah i want to i want i want to hear about that because obviously uh you know this is one of the shows you know on the cw network it's kind of it's kind of just it's just blasted into the stratosphere right well i do remember from the get-go from the very first table read um there was all the parents there luke included who i'd known for years and years because of going out and visiting Priestley back in the day on on the 90210 set all the time uh, another fellow canadian vancouverite um so we were sitting and what and reading doing the read-through and every one of those kids were phenomenal 
like Luke and I were looking at each other, just going, these kids are good, man. They were all off book. They were so good. And then at the end of the episode, you flip the page and Jason Blossom washes up on shore with a bullet hole in his head. And we just closed the page and just went, they got it, man. They turned the comic book, the All-American Riverdale Archie comic book into Twin Peaks, man. And there's no way this isn't going to be a hit. Look at the cast, the young cast, all great, all really good looking kids. I mean, I, it was just set up to be a hit, you know. And then, you know, the pilot, we shot the pilot. And I just thought that I thought the first season of that show was just so good. Like just really good character development shot so well. The kids are all fantastic. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was just, I, I'll never forget Luke and I looking at each other at the, at the end of the read through and just kind of going, hmm. Yeah, 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 that's a great. That must be. It must be a great. Must be a great feeling to have. Um, and yeah. now, uh, we get this question on Monk a lot, and people at, will ask me or or the other cast uh, members when you found out. Yeah. That Hal Cooper was going to, you know, go the other way and become this yeah. uh, character named the Black Hood. Um, yeah, yeah. Did you know? prior did 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 you have any inkling prior to that because people asked us a come on a couple of uh, podcasts ago people asked me like do you know ahead of time what the scripts are like and one of the things that that i think turned out to our benefit on the show is that they just threw stuff at us week to week and we had to pick the ball up throw the ball hit the ball and that was the way it was and we very rarely kind of knew the arc of where we were going how how was your experience with that Absolutely. I had no idea it was the Black Hood. I, we did a table read for episode 20 or 21 when I did the Cooper Home movie, when I revealed that I was a Black Hood. We were doing the table read and Roberto, the showrunner, before we started, said, oh, Lachlan, I need to talk to you after the table read. And I just went, <laughs> I'm the Black Hood. <laughs> I didn't want to be the Black Hood because wow. I just, there was no, there was no redemption. Like I didn't know where it was going to go. All I knew is that, okay, I'm either in prison now on this show or someone's killing me. And I loved the show. I didn't want to leave the show. I, did, I wanted to be bigger part of it. That was always my, my hope was that I could evolve Hal Cooper into being more than just berated by Alice Cooper all the time. You know, it was, it was just one of those things. I'm like, I just need to create dimension in this guy. Now, is it open? <laughs> now, is it, is it still ever possibly open-ended that we might see so. the, we might yeah. see the return of the black hood or, and, and, uh, and slash Al Cooper somewhere down the line. It's been talked about. Yep. And as you know, as you know, in the comic book world, if you never see a dead body and you don't know if they're dead, <laughs> you never really saw Hal Cooper dead. You only heard. Well, yeah, ex exactly. Which all, which now leads me to something else. Speaking of uh, the comic book world and the uh, DC universe, uh, oh, yeah. you are now you are now shooting a brand new show uh, called Peacemaker. Mm -hmm. uh, can you can can you talk a little bit about that? Obviously, all obviously it's not out yet. It's coming soon, uh, but it is it's one it's one of the it's it's one of these you know it's one of these DC universe uh, movies directed by uh, james gunn of uh, i mean Man clearly of yeah. guardians of the galaxy you know fame you know uh so dude he, he is he's awesome yeah so who do you who do you play give us a little bit of history on okay, that so let so, us know so peacemaker is a character that john cena plays in the new suicide squad movie 
And if and if if, if you, the audience hasn't seen the trailer for James's Suicide Squad film, watch it because it's freaking phenomenal. That movie is going to be off the charts. Scene is so good. He plays his character named Peacemaker. So what what um, what James did during COVID is he there you know everything was kind of shut down. He had this idea. Hey, what, maybe I could do like this ten part series uh, that I could uh, do on John's character. And so he wrote it and he went to pitch it and right away HBO Max was like, yeah, we want it. So boom, uh, he started putting his cast together. And um, so I play a character, I, I myself and a, and a detective named Sophie Song. We are on this in the small little, sort of like um, like a town like um, Spokane, you know, sort of a, a mid uh, a Pacific West uh, American small town. And um the really interesting thing, and you know, Jay, we talk about this as actors, you go, well, I didn't get that one, but they really like me and they're going to look for something, right? Flashback to 2000, 2001, when I read for the very first Scooby-Doo movie, okay? Like zoinks, man. Like I went in, I totally did it, Scoob. Let's go. Whoa. So I went in, I did my shag, you know, and I could do, I did shag well. I just don't physically look like Shaggy. You know, Lillard is- Yeah, oh shaggy. yeah, 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 right. That's right. right. Lillard Matt was Lillard, yeah. Right, Lillard was wicked. But James Gunn wrote the movie and James Gunn remembered because I was one of his choice to play Shaggy. And when I put myself on tape, he went, oh my God, yes, let's go with Lachlan. I've always that's, wanted to use him. Dude, that's great. That's isn't it great? Ago, isn't it great how it all comes around, huh? Yeah. 20 years ago. Anyhow, the guy couldn't be more phenomenal. And the and the crew and the like just it's a big show, bro. Like right. we're about to shoot an episode that's 18 days. Yeah, that's 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 fan wow. that's fantastic. And now um when can you give us a time frame on when 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 uh, everybody's yeah. gonna be so able to see it? We'll be wrapped the uh we're shooting eight episodes, so we'll be wrapped our eighth episode uh beginning of July, end of June. Then it comes out on HBO Max. I believe it's slated for January of 2022. Wow. Uh, but yeah, really cool, man. Like really cool experience uh, on to work on like just such a big project and just very talented people all around, right? Like James surrounds himself with really talented people, camera operators, DPs, everyone, you know, just top notch. And so uh, it's funny that when you were giving their story about Flags of the Fathers, because my scenes yesterday were with Robert Patrick. Oh, there, see, like, yeah. I, see, what's one one thing I love so much about this business that we're so, you know, so fortunate to be in uh, is that you know things just always seem to come to come full circle, and you know you're you know you're down you're down one minute, then you're top of the world, and you know, and then and as as you say, these these stories that just really touched my heart it's like you know 20 years ago someone sees you do something and 20 years later they're like that's the guy and, and you know and and you know it, you, so it's uh it, it's a it's just such a great you know it's it's a great uh it's a great feeling you know to know that our paths crossed as you know human beings in vancouver two boys who live in vancouver two canadian boys um Two boys who love hockey. Sorry about the Mr. Alaska thing, but then have both have chosen kind of the same profession. Who've you know gone on to work, as I said earlier on, you know Los Angeles or around the world, uh, and you know kind of that that just that full circle kind of feeling, and and you know always kind of you know reconnecting and disconnecting, and then reconnecting again. Obviously, your time 
you know, spent on Monk. Uh, although Disher and Fat Tony Lucarelli did not you know, really cross paths at all uh, in that particular yeah. episode, just being in the in the same space, you know, uh, is 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 something special. Uh, and once again, having you on this show now is something equally as special. We've kind of come full circle. We got to talk about our early days. We got to talk about what's going on now. Uh, and dude, I cannot thank you enough for uh, coming on the show with Lara and I and uh, you know uh, just telling a few stories and uh, sharing a few things with us uh, about Mr. Monk uh, Meets the Godfather and everything else. That's why we like to call the show the Randy Disher Podcast all things Monk and more because today everybody you got Monk and more. So uh, I'm really happy I'm really happy about that. Lara uh, you know, Lachlan and I have sucked up so much time just talking amongst ourselves. <laughs> do you want to? Do you want to? Do you want to jump in uh, with with, with any questions this. or? Yeah, pl- like, I feel like, like I was initiated in the Vancouver fraternity today or something. I feel yeah, very. You're part of the coo- you're, Yeah, you're part of the Thank- Coof Club. Oh, now. I love it. Coof I'm Club. honored. Thank you. No, I just you know, I mean, I think the freshest in my mind. Well, the two things you, your role on on Riverdale has just been so uh, exciting to watch. And and um, one thing I was going to ask you was about you've been in this business for so long how is it for you to be surrounded now by you were starting to talk about these young actors who are such I mean they're 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 such a phenomenon among their peers they are just you know hero worshipped and what is it like for you to now be be working with people that you remember doing this 25 years ago Absolutely. Yeah, no, it's um, really interesting because I, I, you know, my favorite part as an actor is when I get to work with, with guys like Eastwood or Anthony Hopkins or Peter O'Toole. Like, I, I have a long list of just amazing people that I've been so blessed to work yeah. with. And I yeah. love to listen to stories. I just love it. I, and now I feel like I'm the guy <laughs> that sits on the set and the young people want to sit around and, and I have all these stories. Awesome. I do. I just do, you know, yeah. I mean, I've, I've been so blessed to be in this business for 32 odd years and to have worked as much as I have and seen as much as I have. So, um, and also too, to, you know, very like the one, the cast in Riverdale, like just amazing to think that there's 16 or so regulars, recurring yeah. regulars that all get along so well, like that's unheard of. Sure. Um, so I respect every one of them. I, I've been a fan of all the parents, you know, yeah. uh, I'm going through my career with the same age as those guys uh, and the kids are phenomenal. They're great, great people. You know, they had to navigate going from basically baristas to international TV stars. And that's not easy. The only one, the only one, you know, obviously was Cole and they were all blessed to have a guy like Luke to ask questions because Luke at 23 was the same guy I met at again at 53, you know? Just yeah. phenomenal person. Yeah, and so, he and he, and he really went black. and he went through everything on uh, Beverly Hills oh, on Beverly Hills 90210 that these kids exactly. are going through on Riverdale. Right. Yeah. Luke and Jason at one point, as you remember, or you know, I'm a little older than you, Jay, but you know, I used to hang out with those guys a lot. Those guys were bigger than the Beatles at that point. Oh yeah, yeah no, yeah, 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 crazy. And Luke was a Luke. I just remember going out and hanging with them on set and he was always, he would always say stuff like, listen, man, if this all goes away, if they take it away from me, I'll go lay blacktop with my family in, in yeah. Iowa or whatever, wherever he was from. You know what I mean? He was just that yeah. guy. Just awesome. Yeah. So great for those kids to have been able to spend that much time with Luke, 
have it, him give them advice on how to navigate stardom, sure. right? Yeah, and it it obviously uh, rubbed off on that cast uh, because right. you know the the shows it shows a hit for a reason, right? Uh, you know, and, and uh, you know, and it's a it's it's really amazing. And you, sir, have had uh, you know a very 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 amazing career. As I said, as I mentioned earlier, I just gave a small highlight reel of you know the things you've done, and you've really really covered all the bases. And and buddy, you've got a lot more bases to cover. Uh, you know, you know, yeah, in, like in, just, in, in, in the, like in the future. Yeah, ab absolutely. Absolutely, man. Um, Lockie, listen, thank you so much for being on the show with us. Um, it was And awesome. I will answer one question yep. here that yep. I know that all the Riverdale fans want to know. Yeah. Yes, please. Because I get asked this all the time. Okay. Exclusive? Yeah, please. <laughs> yes. Yes. KJ and Cole smell delicious. <laughs> <laughs> there, there you, there, there you go. And I can answer this. Nobody on Monk smelt delicious. None of the four of us smelt delicious. Not Fat delicious. Tony though. Fat Tony oh, probably smelled delicious. Monk. I, I think Fat Tony, Fat Tony, Fat Tony, Fat Tony tasted delicious. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Lockie, buddy, go back, go back to set, go back to your job. Uh, we won't take up any more of your time, man. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks yeah. for sharing. Thanks for being so open with us. And thanks for uh, joining me in a little walk down memory lane. And uh, for not only for myself, but for all the Monk fans out there, reminiscing a little bit about Mr. Monk meets the Godfather. So, uh, so, great. so now we will say goodbye to fat Tony Lucarelli till we see him again. And Lachlan, I hope I see you uh, much sooner than later, pal. Take yeah, care, brother. It, Thank you so much. Okay. Nice to meet you. Bye-bye. Take care. Cheers, guys. Wow, what a great interview, huh? That was so great. Oh, I love him. He's such a good guy. Yeah, wow. it was really, really, really awesome to have him uh, on the show. He is just a quality human being all around. We need more people like him out there. Uh, you know, and I can't, I can't thank him enough for being a part of it. It was great to reminisce. Sorry, we just kept talking and talking and no, talking. I, but, I felt uh, honored to be part of the, the the boys club. It was a big, it was a big yeah. moment for me. <laughs> well, yeah, no, it was great. And and uh, and uh, you know, also we both, uh, we both watched Mr. Monk. And, yes, uh, and, and it meets yeah. the Godfather yes. last night, didn't we? Which, yes. uh, and you know that I don't watch a lot of the monks anymore, uh, but we did watch that one. Uh, and uh, I have to say, uh, I really, really enjoyed it. And Such a couple a of things episode. I, a couple of things I took away from that episode uh, were uh, number one, great guest stars, as yeah. we always oh, yeah. have. Uh, on Monk, Lachlan included. Yeah. Um, and but more so, it was a great episode where we got to see the team really sticking up for yeah. one another uh, and, and really coming together. Yeah. Uh, and a couple of things I'd like to mention is Stoudemire. Yes. When he confronts Agent Combs, I think yes. it is, yes. um, played by Rick Hoffman, who went on to Suits fame uh, yeah. after that. that uh, too, yeah. yeah, and he was terrific, terrific, yeah, he really terrific, was. Act, terrific actor and he great really in that role. in this yeah. last night. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, and um, where Stoudemire confronts him and really, yeah. really defends Monk when Combs kind of reneges on his promise to get Monk reinstated. Yes. Uh, that's one moment that I really, really, really liked. And then another moment was the moment between Disher and Sharona, yeah. where Disher, although it's going to sting, shares with Sharona yeah. the kind of confidential tapes that they've been, yep. you know, recording of Fat Tony Lucarelli, uh, where he kind of, you know, 
lets his true true colors yeah. out where he doesn't really like you know biddy although yeah. they had a prior kind of a romantic uh yeah. you know interlude earlier on in the show you know and you can clearly see that it breaks her heart a little bit but yet you can really see the love there between disher yes. and sharona and and obviously so you know if if you're a big monk fan you've watched all the episodes mm -hmm. you kind of know where all that plays out right. at the very end so that was kind of the one of the early early seeds of that relationship um you know so moments Definitely. like that and and by the way those are those are those are two moments in uh you know amongst many many comedy moments that are very yeah. poignant um and so i just once again love to love to touch i'm very happy i watched that episode because i love to oh, see those so moments good. and i kind of had had forgotten when they hit they're so so strong they were and they so just good. and they just really land and then they're you know usually capped off by a cute little moment and it's one true. that comes to mind is right at the end of that episode yep. where you know uh monk and stottlemyre are standing by the window and uh tony uh looks out yep. the window and you know he says well, something like, uh, you know, well, that's okay. I got them back. Right. You see that van there? That van's full right. of boxes. Do you see that van over there? That van's only half full. Right. And I didn't tell them. <laughs> Such And revenge. Stoudemire just looks at Monk and he smiles. Right. And Monk looks at Stoudemire. So great. You know, and then, and then, you know, kind of, you know, all is well again in the world. Right. 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 And, 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 oh, then, and, then, so and then, and then, and then, because Tony's so brilliant, it's capped off by yeah. one more moment of Tony just letting that whole the look, episode the look, sink right? in and the pain, yes. the pain of not being yeah. reinstated set in. So, um, you know, cheers oh, and directed, directed beautiful. beautifully by Michael Zinberg, uh, mm -hmm. uh, who is a director who was actually one of the kind of one of our staple monk directors that we had in, uh, for, uh, you know, numerous yeah. episodes. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was just, it was great. So I, so I like great. yourself, I'm very happy that, uh, yeah. that I watched, uh, that, uh, that episode and, uh, so you know, and, and, and really what a great way to end this week's show right. just by kind of touching on, uh, touching on, uh, you know, the kind of ins and outs and a couple of specific details, you know, so of true. Mr. Monk meets the Godfather. We should do that more often. We should, we really should. Yeah. And, and we gosh, Lachlan, yeah. I, I, I regret that I didn't say this to him during the interview, but he, he just, he captivated me with that, the way he portrayed that role. Um, you know, he wasn't stereotypical. He was so uh, smooth with it. He wasn't a stereotypical mobster. He was very smooth. It almost made, maybe as a female viewer, I realized why Sharona could be smitten by him because he was just, you know, he was just so smooth. Well, and, that, 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 that's right? great. That, that's great. I, I, I couldn't. I just loved it. I couldn't agree with you more. And as I say, um, I think I will invest some more time uh, watching a few more Monk episodes uh, as, as, as the podcasts <laughs> go on. But that's right. For today, Lara. Yes. I'm Jason Gray Stanford. This is Lara Arrocho, and uh, we wish you uh, we wish you all the best, everybody out there. And uh, hey, be kind to yourself, be kind to animals, and remember, as Randy Disher always says, happiness is a choice. We'll see you all next episode. Take care, everybody. The Randy Disher Podcast is a member of the Mouthful Media Podcast Network. That's a mouthful.